Hello and welcome. I am Kim Keen, host of the One of a Kind You podcast. I started this podcast to share my journey of my past self, a woman who was struggling with leaving her teaching career and adjusting to stay-at-home mom life to help other women with their motherhood journeys or their work-life balance journey so they can let go and make themselves a priority without all the sacrificing. So if you are a regular listener to One of a Kind You, thank you so much for taking the time to tune into another episode. And if you are new, welcome, welcome. We're excited to have you here too. And for most of my listeners know that the way that this works is I usually read a journal entry and then I reflect on what I know now as a certified life coach and what I wish I knew in the of the struggle. But today, no worries, ladies, you don't have to listen to me blab alone. I have a wonderful guest with us. Her name is Amy Stone, and she um, helps step parents. So she is a parenting coach. Um, she's been a stepmom for over 20 years and feels as though she really didn't know what she was getting into. And I think maybe that's safe to say for parenthood in general. <laughs> um, but she struggled to find support that would work for her family and her And when she finally found her way, she knew she had to be a coach to help other people so that they wouldn't have the struggles that she and her family had. So she's going to finish her introduction because she can do a far better job than I can. Very good. Thank you so much for having me today. And um, you did a great job introducing me. It's almost as if I, uh, it's almost as if I gave you information about myself, um, <laughs> which it is, that is the way it works, right? When we have these podcast interviews, I tell you a little bit about me and then you share, but yes, um, I was a stepmom before I was a mom. Um, and the journey of stepmom is famous for being hard. Um, it is socialized and historically recognized as being, um, challenging. The words evil stepmom roll off people's tongues. Um, And so that step monster is a thing that rolls off. And so when I got myself into it, I did not know what I was getting myself into. Um, I did very quickly add two more kids to our family. So we have have two stepkids and two kids. And um, I I struggled to be relaxed and happy and within my family. And the support that I found was very um, clinical and um, antagonistic and um, and kind of brutal in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I did find my way to happiness for our family with is more of my my thinking on it is more like a heart centered thing. Like I'm a very heart centered person as a parent, as a person, as a friend. And it didn't make any sense to me to be a combative, abrasive step parent. Um, and so, and that's what a lot of the traditional advice is for step parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, um, that I, I was all focused in just living my life, right? That was my focus. But then when I became a life coach, um, and I do have some parenting coach certifications, but I call myself a life coach because the thing that I'm working on with people is them being happy in their life. Mm-hmm. And, and even though I have, you know, my experience being a parent and my experience being a step parent, I think that um, the more important, and we'll see if this resonates with your journey as a mom, the more important thing for people to find is the the method that works for them mm-hmm. in their family, rather than being told, you know, this is the right way to do it. Now, sometimes you do just want somebody to tell you, hey, this is how you get rid of this awful diaper rash. That's a question yeah. that you just want an answer to. <laughs> Yes. That's right. one where you don't want to take the time to explore the options because you have That's a miserable right. kid and then you're miserable and yeah, not good. So yes, right. rash, we exactly. love the quick, 
quick, quick, answer, quick answer, quick solution. Quick answer and quick solution. But when we're talking about how to, you know, form our family, how to connect with our kids, mm-hmm. how to connect with our stepkids, how to plan vacations that you don't, you know, want to sl- slit your wrist at the end, things like that. While I can share my experience, the more powerful tools I have are actually in how to help you find the thing that really makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is, as someone who is a life coach, that is more on the side of life coaching. And so that's the, that's the term I use. So that's who I am. And that's what I do. Yeah. And I love it. And I resonated with um, the message that you sent to initially connect is that you help people look at their past experiences. And that's also my philosophy as a coach, um, because in my own inner work to show up as the mom that I wanted to be for my kids, but also the person for myself, um, I wasn't looking back far enough to know that that was really what was making me unhappy in the present. Once I looked back far enough, I was like, ding, ding, ding. Oh, and that was really what shifted the, the present and the future was doing that deep work um, around past experiences. A hundred percent. And for me, um, yeah, I was very, very much a person who, so my parents are divorced mm-hmm. and I had grown up with a message. Okay. So, and I had grown up a message and I don't know if you got this, but I had grown up with a message that my relationships were, you know, had less of a chance of success. Like, it, like the, the data was there that I was less likely my marriage would last. And before, when I started dating the man I married, I did not plan to get married. I told him, I said, I don't know that I'm going to do this, right? Like not going to do this. And that probably is, although I wasn't thinking about it at the time, why I didn't worry so much about like, Hey, he's divorced. He's got kids, those kind of things. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then I changed my mind, which was fine. And then, uh, but then I had to reconcile with the fact that I had all these doubts. Like, was I predestined to have a bad experience? Mm -hmm. Like, was I, was it, was I going to do the same things that my parents did? And my strategy as a 20 year old, 20 something year old was to ignore everything that had ever Mm -hmm. happened in my past and just proceed blindly forward. And that didn't work for me. I had to, what did work for me was um, acknowledging that they were divorced, looking at the things that I had experienced in my past, really owning the fact that I had made the decisions that I had made Mm -hmm. and giving myself permission to like, think about it and have feelings about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, all right, you know, this is it. And, and then make my own decisions and realize that while I was shaped by my past, I am who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think less so I felt like my marriage would be doomed because my parents were divorced. I mean, I for sure had those thoughts in the back of my mind. Um, but I think I made that decision, like I'm never getting divorced because of the whole step parent thing. So, um, I joking now my husband, I've been married for 14 years and I jokingly say to him, we're never getting divorced. You're stuck with me. You're stuck because if you think that I'm not letting another woman raise my kids (laughs) and he's like, I know, I know, I know, I know. So of course all a joke, it's all a joke. Um, sometimes. And so I was like, his parents have been married for over 50 years. I think his parents are going on like year 57 or something like that. So our family dynamics were polar opposites. Um, but I grew up with my stepmom undermining my mom a lot in front of me saying mean things about my mom, um, with my dad having conversations like that. And then I grew up in my mom's house where my stepdad and my mom fought constantly. They've been married for 
34 years, 35 years. And my dad and my stepmom are going on 32 or 33. So both family units after the divorce from their initial marriage are, are together. Mom and stepdad, not so great. Dad and stepmom. Yes. Although I think there are some issues, but, um, I was just like, like determined not to, not to go down that road. Um, but it was actually my parents' divorce that affected me differently, like more in, um, terms of like self-esteem, self-trust, um, listening, like trusting my own inner guidance, that kind of stuff. And it was, it was those things that was really holding me back as a parent. Yeah. How old were you when your parents got divorced? Oh, I was little. I think I was four. Okay. I was about the same. I was five. And so I don't have any memories of my parents being together. Um, I and do, and not neither of my parents. Okay. So it, the few ones. I do are fight. The few I do are fights, but, um, I, when one of the things I did after I was married, which was not, it was, I did go back and ask my dad, like, why, you know, what was going on? Why did you guys get mm-hmm. divorced? Because I hadn't heard that. But, um, one of the things, cause my parents had a very high conflict mm-hmm. relationship. And so, the way that impacted me was that I was not willing to be a part of a high conflict relationship mm-hmm. with my husband and his ex-wife. And they didn't have a super high conflict relationship to begin with, but there was conflict. They had gotten divorced. And so I was, I do not, I did not undermine um, his ex-wife. You know, I never did that. And one of the early stories when we were dating was that their custody arrangement was on every other weekend and there wasn't a provision for holidays um, in it, which is unusual and maybe wrong actually, because I've never seen one since that had it, but that was the way they were doing it. And uh, Mother's Day was going to fall on my boyfriend's weekend. And I was just a girlfriend. I had no business getting involved. None, none, I, none, like, and I knew it, but I didn't keep my mouth shut. Sometimes I said, we just he can't was... help ourselves because right. we see it. We, you know, we're on the outside looking in and we're like, but I just know. And I just need to yes. say it. <laughs> so I jumped in completely, uh, I completely overstepped my bounds. And I was like, listen, you should send the kids to their moms for the weekend. Like not part of the weekend, not this like mother's day. If she, if she wants the weekend, which is what she wanted it's mother's day done, not up for discussion. And he was like, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about and blah, blah, blah. It's none of your business. And I was like, I know, I know it's none of my business. I agree. It's none of my business. But then he did not in front of me, but at some other time, apparently say to her exactly. He's like, well, my girlfriend thinks that you should get the the weekend because it's mother's day. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, thanks for selling me out. But I <laughs> I believe that. Right. But that set the tone for the fact that I was not in competition for her. And that was important in a couple of different ways because I didn't know what I was doing. And so it was more like me making mistakes um, at try, with the best of intentions, but just out of cluelessness. I mean, I just didn't know anything. Um, so I was I was intentional about that. And, and what you're describing as your experience from having somebody work to undermine was without any knowledge of it necessarily in my head. It just, it didn't match the way I wanted to live my life. I didn't want to be a combative person in any part of the family. And I knew from the fact that like my parents had been divorced, I knew that there was no, there was no future where we were not in the same group. 
right? Like she, there's no, even though you're divorced, you're still connected through the children. And I just didn't want to be, you know, I just was like, I was like, you know, so just like anybody else you're stuck with for a long time, like a boss, a, you know, a cousin, anybody, you know, you're going to live with someone. It's like, you know, that, why would you pick a fight with that person? You know, that just was my thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting now because now that, you know, I'm an adult and I have kids, my dad and stepmom and my mom will be in the same function. My stepdad is not a social function guy. So he'll drop my mom and leave and then come back to get, um, and it's a little awkward and uncomfortable, but they do really well, which always amazed me because growing up, um, it was not a warm and fuzzy, uh, between my dad and my stepmom and my mom. And there was always like tension there. Um, my mom, you know, feeling insecure because now there's this person with my dad, who is, um, I'll say more assertive, borderline aggressive. And my mom doesn't like conflict. So she would tend to just like shy away a little bit and be like, okay, okay, whatever you say. Um, and I knew why my parents got divorced from a very early age. So, um, that wasn't, so there's always been sometimes too much transparency there on my mom's part. So (laughs) that happens. I hear stories like that. I hear, I do hear a lot of stories like that. And I think that that's, I mean, it's, it is, it's not an easy thing to do. And none of this is easy. I think there's, there's an illusion that there's some point in time where it gets to be easy, but I, I finally have adopted the, the, the theory that it doesn't ever get easy. Like you figure some stuff out and then the next thing comes. Like I think that you said you have a 10 year old. Yes. I have a 10 year old and a 13 year old and they're both girls. Oh, yeah. And you're both yeah. girls. So 13, you're in the heart of those teenage years. And that's, that's a tough time. And, yeah. you know, and, and then it goes to other tough things. Cause you know, it's like they, they, they turn into adults and, yes. um, and it, it just shifts, right. It shifts. So it's different. It's hard in different ways. So it's hard when they're babies because you don't get any sleep. It's hard mm-hmm. when they're toddlers because they can't communicate. Yes. Um, there's and that they don't sit still. They don't sit still. still don't there sleep. is that that blissful time, like from five to like seven, eight, nine, somewhere, depending on the kids. That's a really good time. Like if yes. you could just bottle that time, that was that's I think what we think of when we think about parenting. You know, they do cute things, they you know, yeah, they're still very cuddly, you know, all of those things. And then and then they go into the tween years and the teen years, which can be very hard. Uh, it depends mm-hmm. on the kid, definitely, but it can be very hard. And then and then you start the separation. Right. And, and that's a tough time. That's a very, very tough time. And, um, and then they're adults and it's wonderful, but there are also, you know, tough times, you know, there it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, you focus on, on yourself more, which is nice. I'm very eager to have it. I'm a few years away from it. I'm like empty nest. I'm actually very eager about it. People tell me I'll be sad, but I, at the moment I'm looking forward to, to it. Yeah. You're like, (laughs) I'll get, I'll get to catch my breath. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Do I believe everybody what they tell me? I do. I believe them, but I, I am looking forward to it just for the, until that kicks in. Yes. I have a friend, her girls are a little older than mine. So she has a daughter who is in her sophomore year of college. And then she has a daughter who is a senior in high school this year. And she said, um, you know, the daughter who's a senior is, you know, athletic and always doing school functions. And then the other daughter lives on campus a couple hours away at the college. And she said there are some days where she'll sit at the table at breakfast and cry because she misses them so much. And then other days she's like, okay, I got this. I can do this. This is good. This is good. And so um, I think it's kind of, the, you know, we have that at all stages because now I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, Lily is 13 and in five years, she's going to be going away to college. And then I only have three more years left until Casey goes to college. And and I'm like five years really isn't that much time and so there are moments but then I'm like you know what it's okay they're growing up they're 
turning out to be good girls. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. So trying to just, you know, embrace the shift and let it flow the way it's supposed to without trying to white knuckle it too much. Yep. Absolutely. See, and I, I have not had to sit at the table and cry. What has happened to me is that a few times I have looked around and I'm like, oh my gosh, the house is quiet. No one is making a mess. No one is asking me to do anything. And, and after having four, four kids for like, you know, through and all of their friends and things like that, it's, 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 it's stunning the quiet. And I'm like, I'm just going to sit here in my house and enjoy the silence. And I just, am so excited about it. I just, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I love my house so much when it's quiet like this, you know, there's, and it's quiet, it's quiet because it's empty and not because, you know, you're waiting on something or, you know, like, you know, not the toddler quiet where you're like, what's gone wrong? Uh-huh, like, uh, what are they getting into now? Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's not that it's, it's everybody's where they're supposed to be and nobody's asking me to do anything. And yeah, but yeah. it is, How there are, are shifts. Kids? So 32, 27, 19 and 16. Okay. Yeah. So you have a little bit of a range there. Oh Yeah. 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 We did college and preschool all at the same time, which was, you know, it's been a busy, it's been a busy 20 years and I've enjoyed every single bit of it. And it's been nice to, um, it's been, it's been nice. It's been really, really nice. And I've enjoyed, um, I, there was, I can, I can sell being a step parent in some ways because I know that I got to see, um, and experience the things that those guys were doing before I was responsible for all of the parts. I was a witness, an observer, mm-hmm. an outsider. I was like, oh, that's how that works. And that did give me some experience when I got there. It wasn't all the same and it not at all, but, um, but I did have that. And so, uh, it's been, it's been good. It's been yeah, good. that's great. It's like, you got the training wheels, got to ride the bike with the training wheels. And then when your own yes. biological turn came off, you're like, whoop, we're ready for the two wheeler now. Yeah, exactly. And, and, uh, right. That is, that's very much like, it. I mean, I didn't know I met when I met my stepkids, they were four and eight. So there was a gap, like the very beginning I had no, no, but, um, but what was funny is that, and I always tell people this because I meet step parents all the time going through a similar thing. I had very unrealistic expectations of what it was like to be with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I was going based on my experience of being a kid. I thought I was a delightful kid. I I never thought I was hard to get along with at all as a child. But um, apparently, like, it's, it's a maybe little. Maybe I different. need to reevaluate that self perception. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Raising children fa- puts you in a position where you have to face yourself in so many ways, which is the craziest thing. And um, in fact, like so, when my one of my stepkids was a teenager, and I was saying, "Gosh, I don't know where they are." Like, and I was worried about it. it must have been our weekend, you know. And my dad was visiting and he was around and he said, he said, Amy, relax. He said, I don't think I knew where you were from 1988 to 1996. He's like, it's going to be fine. Like just relax. And I was like, what? Oh my God. I was not like that. You, I always knew where I was. What were you talking about? He's like, yeah, you knew where you were. Nobody else did. Um, I think I did that for a reason. Maybe, right. Maybe. (laughs) So yeah. So, but when my stepkids were little and I was a new stepmom, I was surprised by how noisy they were. I was Mm -hmm. surprised by how early they got up. I was surprised by how finicky their eating habits were, right? And I was really, really harsh about that, which is a a, something that happens a lot. That's a part of the stepmom dynamic that can really be be challenging in a family. Is that the stepmom can be highly critical without meaning to, right? Mm -hmm. And that was definitely I did not mean to be critical. I did not understand. 
But I didn't realize how much I didn't understand until my kids began to get to those same ages. And then I realized I was like, oh my gosh, no, I, my, I had unreasonable expectations. <laughs> I made us all miserable because I had very unreasonable expectations. These kids are loud and they only eat chicken nuggets and pasta and they don't like restaurants and they don't sleep in. And all of that is normal that, you know, like that is yes. normal. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. And and I, so I am a teacher, I have a teaching background. And so, um, and I have siblings and nieces and nephews. I became an aunt when I was 10. Um, so I've always had lots of kids around and even still knowing kids, I still had unrealistic expectations. So before my, before my first daughter was born, I was like, we will not be walking around with drinks. We will not be walking around with snack cups. If we want to eat or drink, we will be sitting at the table we will not do this and we will not do this and we will not do this. And she came along. I was like, you want a snack cup? Here you go. You want that right. cup? Here you go. Toddling around doing all the things that I said that we weren't going to do. And I'm like, okay, Kim, reality check, reality check. Yeah. You know, I had to get to the point where I just start telling myself, is it going to matter in five years? Because like you, I yes. had such unrealistic expectations because as a teacher, I'm used to running a classroom with 25 kids and I need structure and order or else it will go to hell in a handbasket super quick. And so at home, I was kind of in that same mode. And then I was like, okay, let go just a little bit. It's okay. If it's not going to matter in five years, don't say anything about it. Right. And I flipped, I like to flip that. Fi that five-year question is really, really powerful. And I use it all the time time. And the other way I phrase it to people that I think is really helpful when we're trying to make decisions and figure out how to handle things is how do you want to remember this in yes. five years? Because like when we are, um, when we are stressed out to the max and we are behaving in certain ways, which we all do, right? Like, so it does happen. <laughs> mm -hmm. It just happens like where we're tapped out and things like that, but we're making decisions about things like that, which this is especially helpful in the teenage years um, because they, your kids do remember your interactions with them as a teenager. Yes. And you're thinking to yourself, this feels really important. And this is the end of the world. And I need to be really, really, really stern right here and fight about it. And I tell people, I say, okay, how do you want your kid to tell this story mm -hmm. back to you in five years when they're an adult? Yes. Like, how do you want to like, how do you want this to play back in the movie of your life? Do you want to be the screaming banshee or do you want to do something else? Like, it doesn't matter right. to me, but this is your chance because right now you can change it. Yeah. And I think there are times, you know, I was like, oh, this isn't going to matter in five years. So let it go. And there were other times where I really couldn't. And I was that screaming yeah. banshee or ready to rip my hair out or thinking like, oh my God when is my husband going to get home? Because I need right. someone to take these kids from me. And my girls were really good, but you can only take so much sometimes. Yeah. And so then of course I would beat myself up for losing my marbles, yelling, you know, expecting them to sit quietly so I could get X, Y, and Z done and it not happening or them wanting them to take a nap and them not napping. And I'm like, I just need you to stay in that bed for a half an hour. <laughs> One more minute. I have, I have a friend who is um, trying to name a sleep coaching product. And she was, she had all these very, very nice names about like, had the kids you know, staying asleep. And I was like, that was never my thought. My thought was, please don't get up. Like, yes. please, how do you stay in? Just don't get up, please. I mean, I was just applying all of my like mental power to be like, sleep, yes. you know? Yes. And so it was really hard because then I was 
uh, frustrated with them, but I was even more upset with myself. And I didn't, I didn't always bounce back from that very well. So is that something that you also experienced? Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting about these things. It's funny because we, we, sometimes you think that nobody tells you what mm-hmm. to expect, except with this, everybody tells you to expect yes. this, right? Everybody tells you. And just like you were saying though, even if you know, and even if you have training, I don't have any teacher training, but I, I've not talked to anybody. The closest are people who are nurses sometimes have like a lot of really, really good patient skills that they can sort of take it. But yeah. teachers, nannies, you know, it's not at all the same. Parenting no. of, of kids is a 24 hour gig. Uh-huh it is overwhelming. So even though everybody tells you that it's the craziest thing to be in it and just be so desperate for a little bit of a break. And then my favorite thing is it's like the way the spirits align is that's when you run into somebody who says something to you like, Oh, treasure these moments. And you want to like shake them like a rattle, like treasure this lady. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to squeeze you until your eyes pop out of your head. Don't tell me oh, to treasure this. <laughs> I know exactly. You know, you'll be at the grocery store and they'll be like, Oh, I treasure these moments. They go by so fast. It's like, Oh, they feel like they're lasting a very long time right now. Um, <laughs> like but yeah, that so is, you take them. And, okay. Lady, you random stranger, take them, <laughs> take them. You treasure them. <laughs> take them. You treasure them just for 45 minutes. That's all I, you know, so, um, and the thing that helps me a lot is that, you know, it is not a contest and no one is scoring this, even though it feels very competitive. It feels like we're being judged all the time. There's no point in this process where somebody stands up and says, Hey, here, you get a gold star because you did this the right way. Here's your 10 out of 10. Here's your award, right? The reward is that you get to go to bed and get it, get up and do it again the next day, and which is a great prize. And but nobody is scoring it. There's no nobody evaluating it. And if you can just remember that and say, if if the best I've got right now is this, then then we've just got to get through it. Like uh, this mm-hmm. is this is the grind. And so you know, it's we are we are so hard on ourselves. And it's, and the pressure we feel from other people, it's not actually imaginary. There's like real like perception of pressure. So yeah. Like, I mean, it's like you want to downplay it, but it's like, you know, people are actually, you know, you, you take your kids um, into school, like, you know, covered with dirt and you're the only one that knows that that's from the mud puddle outside. Like it's not imaginary. People are like, wow, why, what happened over there? And you're like, Mm -hmm. You can ask if you'd like, but you know. Yeah. You're like, wait a second. That literally just happened 2.6 seconds ago, people. Right. Exactly. It's like, do you want the story? No, you just want to make up your own story. Okay. Move it on. You know, exactly. Yeah. So um, I think, you know, adjusting expectations of ourselves and our kids is fantastic. But I think something else um, is like being able to like give yourself the freedom to to feel the feels and not judge yourself too harshly for that. Um, because at the end of the day, like we're all just human. Right. No, exactly. And it is, um, yeah, no, you've got, and that, that I don't, I don't know. I always thought that when I was a kid, I did always think that the grownups knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that I'm a grown up, I realize how wrong that is, that nobody has any idea what they're doing. And, um, and that means that it's okay that we're figuring it out as we go. Mm -hmm. Right. For sure. So, you know, there's not anybody else who, I mean, sometimes there is, sometimes you're standing next to somebody and you're like, Oh yeah, I can tell you how to do this. And I think that's one of the reasons it's so important to share 
mm-hmm. like our stories. But you know, the first time you've got a sick kid in the middle of the night, you don't know how to do it. And mm-hmm. there's nobody around to ask. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or you could do what I did and have a two-year-old barfing all over the couch and calling my husband at work and being like, when are you coming home? Because I can't, I can't do it because I'm about to get sick too. <laughs> Oh yeah. No. And that's when, um, we had at one point we had the stomach flu in the house. And so, and we're a blended family. So we've got the other house. So we're trying to decide, you know, we'll try and contain it here. We're going to keep the sick people here and uh, everybody got sick except for me. And still to this day, I swear the only reason I didn't get it was just because I obviously can't get it. I was like, it was just willpower. I was like, who's going to clean it up if I don't. Yes. It was, it was three days of just horror. Yes. Yeah. And then, and then I cried to my two-year-old. I'm so sorry. Mommy couldn't help you. I'm the worst. <laughs> and so now my girls are like, we don't need your help. Like, thankfully they don't get sick very often knock on wood, but when they do that, like, right. we don't, we don't need you. We can do it by ourselves. Cause we learned at a very early age. I'm like, okay, you're going to need therapy then I think. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. So, um, but, but knowing that it, it was okay because when my husband was home, then he could, you know, he did it. So I did the poopy diapers. He did the throw up unless one of us wasn't home. Then we just had to figure it out. But, um, we jokingly say that, thank God we, the other could, you know, we could each handle one thing. Um, so that the one parent didn't get stuck doing all the gross stuff. <laughs> oh, my husband got sick. So it was like, everybody was sick except me. It was like such a nightmare. And one of the kids was so young that they didn't really talk yet but they can say the word no and that's when I knew they were gonna barf I would hear them in the other no no and I was like ah yeah you're like bucket 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 yeah it's the worst um oh oh it's the worst it's the worst it's the worst yeah no but that's it's like you know and yeah no you don't know what to do you don't know what to do it's good just we should just be thankful that we don't have that in our houses right now yes yes everybody knock on wood if you're listening you don't have it in your house knock on wood knock on wood (laughs) lots of wood hundred percent. Exactly. So if you, so if a mom is listening and she's in the situation where, um, you know, she's working to adjust the expectations that she's set for herself and her family and her children, um, and is really beating herself up, but knows that she shouldn't, um, what's something that she can do to start kind of letting go of that self-bashing and so that's a great question so the thing I tell people and this is a one-liner right it's like give yourself grace but that's a that's like a that's like a nugget that doesn't necessarily help in the moment right but the way I sort of suggest that people apply it is that assume the best intent in yourself like right now whatever you're doing you are giving it a hundred percent it doesn't always feel like it because sometimes 100% of what we can do is not the same as it was mm-hmm. yesterday. Like, so one day you're full of energy and you're full of patience and it's great. The next day you, you know, you've got other stuff going on. The appliances, you know, the appliances break, the air conditioning's broken, the heater's broken, whatever yeah. your patience is thin. You snap at your kids. You're still doing a hundred percent of your best mm-hmm. at all times. And so are they. 
or so are they. So it's like, you give yourself grace, say, this is what I've got today. And, you know, and, and how am I going to move forward? Right. Like it's what you were talking about. Like feel the feelings. I'm very frustrated. There's a technique. I don't know which is like name it and claim it. Like, it's like, I'm very frustrated right now. I'm very tired right now. Mm -hmm. And once you name it, then you're more likely to say, okay, if I'm very tired, what can I do? And sometimes as a full-time caregiver, as a stepmom, as a mom, as a wife, what you can do is sort of grit it and bear it until your husband gets home or until your mother yes. is over or until the family meal ends, right? Whatever is on your nerves, right? But look for the next step, look for the next thing and give yourself grace that whatever you're doing in this moment is what you're doing. So, you know, that's, and you're probably doing the best you can. Yes. Even though it probably doesn't feel like the best or it feels like we could do more, or should do more. Um, know that you don't have to do more than that. Like what you're doing right now is just enough. Right. And be okay with that. Um, and take the pressure off. And I, I was at the point where my girls were little in their home. And I was like, Oh, we can't, the TV cannot be on. We could not have the device. We could not have the TV <laughs> during the day. Cause then that means I'm a bad mom. Cause I'm using technology to babysit you. But then I got to the point where I was like, Kim, that's ridiculous. You grew up watching TV. You turned out just fine. People watch TV, people use right. devices. So I was like, you can let go of that. And so I was like, okay, while I'm cleaning up breakfast, TV time. While I'm making lunch, cleaning up lunch, device time. And so I kind of just, you know, I let go of that and gave myself grace to say, it's okay. It's not going to kill them. It's not going to hurt them. You know, we're not watching murder shows. They're watching educational shows and it's okay. And so right. having your, you know, grace with yourself to say, this might not be what the other moms I know are doing. This might not be what I see on Instagram or Facebook or whatever else is out there, but this is working for us. And so this is okay. Yeah. And there are other times the TV thing is a really interesting thing. I don't know if you know any folks that have like autistic kids or kids who struggle with that because they yes. have a completely different paradigm for that. Like it becomes a tool that they're using to navigate through the day. Yes. And I think that's helpful because we do that. So I had a kid who had, we had one kid that had really bad reflex who spent like hours in the swing. And in any other situation that would have been, you know, maybe not what we would have done, but it's how we made it. And it's how he like thrived health wise, right? Because he, yes. he needed to be propped up and it was a better option than me, like elevating the crib and him sliding all the way down. So he was yes. in the swing, which had that perfectly aligned thing. And, um, and he would be asleep. And I remember one day the batteries were dying and it was slowing down. And I called my husband's office and I was like, the batteries are going dead. And he was like, he was like, I'm on my way. I'm going to the store. I'll be there with batteries. <laughs> like it was like an, an alert, you know, batteries. And before I had gone through that, I would have probably judged somebody if I had heard mm -hmm. that story. Yes. Um, and so if we can apply the way we think about other people to ourselves, right? Like, so there's, there's a million of those decisions that you'll make as a mom where, um, and a stepmom where it's like, wow, this is not the decision I thought I was going to make mm -hmm. in this, you know, here, but it is the best decision that is in front of us. And I think that that awareness and allowing yourself to change your mind can be the ultimate forgiveness and acceptance. It's like, yeah, you know, I didn't think I would be the person who did this, but this is how we're going to do it today. This is love for me today. Yes. And 
giving yourself that permission to pivot and change when needed. Cause I think sometimes we get so stuck in saying like, it's gotta be done this way. And just the, you know, just like this and yeah. you can't change blah, 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 blah. And then that sets us up for continued stress and irritation and frustration and heartache and tears and all of that. So, so I think in, yeah. in having that crisis, like give yourself permission to change, pivot when needed. Don't force give yourself, yourself permission to change. Something. Yeah, no, the thing that, uh, and it can be scary, right? It can be scary because mm-hmm. when you get, especially with little kids and teenagers, right? Um, when they start driving, that's scary. And, um, but I remember I was very scared to have a baby in bed with me yes. right, while they were sleeping. And so I was in the rocking chair during midnight, putting somebody back to bed and I almost dropped, like I fell asleep, like I fell asleep and I startled awake. Like I almost dropped the, dropped the kid. I hopefully the baby would have just like gone into my lap, but it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying. And I was like, okay, I need to be in a big surface, you know, like I don't, it was absolutely terrifying. And, um, and so it was like, which thing am I least afraid of and what deal am I going to make? So I made this elaborate space in the bed that I convinced myself was safe and, and we made it through the night. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And that's like, that's a perfect example. And, um, so I swore that I wasn't going to like, my baby was going to sleep in a crib as soon as we came from the home from the hospital. So I did not have a bassinet. I did not have anything. And so she slept her first night at home from the hospital in a laundry basket with a towel folded up in the bottom for the, the, um, like the bat, the bassinet pad, because I did not have anything else. And I was like, look kid, I need to be able to lay down just for like an hour. And this is what it's going to be. And she yeah. fell fast asleep in that laundry basket. And um, so then when the second came around, I was like, okay, we need some kind of like, you know, bed bassinet, something I was like, cause lesson learned. Um, and we ordered, like, I got one for Lily. I was like, we can't do this again. And she's not sleeping in the laundry basket. So <laughs> again, I was like, oh God, but she doesn't, and no, she was fine. Yeah, she was fine. She was warm. She was loved. She was right next to her mom. She was totally fine. And yeah. you know, like she didn't know a bassinet from a laundry basket, right? But I did, and so that was you know that story. You like, did. oh my god, I'm a horrible mother because my kids in the laundry basket, and I'm ill. Like I'm ill prepared, and blah blah blah. And so it doesn't like at every age we as moms go through these crazy town stories and put all this unnecessary pressure on ourselves, and so. I think that everything that you've shared in this episode has been amazing. I think so many moms, especially not even step moms, but like moms across the board, step mom, um, soon to be step mom, biological mom, foster mom, adopted mom, whatever the case may be. Um, there's so much value in this episode. So I thank you so much for taking the time to join us this evening. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. So if you found this episode helpful, please feel free to share it with a friend because the more the merrier. Oh, and I forgot to ask Amy, if, um, if any of the listeners want to reach out with questions or anything like that, is that okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. So my name is Amy Stone and I call my business Amy Says So, and I'm sure that the link will be there and all of the ways to reach me, but it's pretty easy to remember amysayso.com. I love it. I love it. Um, so yes, all the links will be in the show notes so that you don't have to go down the Google rabbit hole, um, to find Amy. And so it will literally just be a click and a go. And so, um, 
If you'd be so kind to leave a review for this episode, it would be greatly appreciated. I take the time to read all the reviews to ensure that this podcast continues to be a place of guidance and support and really a one-stop shop for resources. Um, Because let's face it, us ladies, we got to stick together. So thanks so much for tuning in and I will see you all next week.